Well, this morning we'll go back to the book of Hebrews again. Been studying there on Sunday morning for some time now. I'd like to go back again in chapter 2, book of Hebrew, chapter 2. And uh, we'll probably be looking at verses, uh, probably starting in verse 14. But I'd like to start in verse 9, work our way down uh, to our lesson this morning. Hebrew 2. And verse 9, of course, is talking about uh, Jesus here. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church while I sing praise unto thee. And last week, and again, I will put my trust in him, and again, behold, I and the children whom God hath given me. And we talked last week, and I wanted to bring it out, uh, his children. How did the children get to be his children? And the answer is, God gave them to him. As, uh, uh, well, Christine's back there in some of mine going to have a little, I forget if it's going to be a girl boy now, I can't remember, but sometime we're thinking about Bible conference time, uh, and I'm sure they got names and everything, and I, I don't know if I knew or forgotten or whatever, but the baby didn't have anything to, to do with choosing its parents, nothing at all. So neither did we have anything to do with becoming children of God. It's pretty easy to understand really although the whole religious world doesn't believe that they believe it's our choice and our decision but anyway i wanted to bring that it's very simple but but most people cannot see it if you can see it then you should thank the lord because most people cannot and i know it goes against human wisdom it goes against my reasoning everything in me tells me that i have free will Everything in me tells me that. But everything in the scriptures tells me contrary to that. So we don't want to be led by uh, human wisdom, that's for sure. Okay, verse uh, uh, 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had power of death, that is, the devil. So here uh, says, he, talking about Jesus here, says that he took on flesh and blood. He took it on for a purpose, but he took on flesh and blood. Uh, this was... So by taking on flesh and blood, he had, I know he was God manifested in the flesh. I know he was the son of God. But by taking on this flesh, 
he had some of the same problems we have. He had pain. He hungered. He was tired. He had mental stress. And that was really hard for me to understand for a long time that, you know, he went to the cross, and we read about him going to the cross. We read about all of his suffering and everything. And I thought, well, well he, that's God in the flesh. He can't suffer. But he did, and that's why he took on the flesh, that he would die and suffer for you and, and, and for me. And then uh, the last portion of verse 14 uh, says when he also, him, let me read verse 14 altogether. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that, or for the purpose of, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. So through uh, death, in other words, him taking on flesh and dying, he was able to destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. You say, boy, but we're still, we're still going to die. Maybe, maybe he didn't destroy him after all. We're still going to die. Well, we're going to die. The physical body is going to die. And if it comes in the rapture, then it'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye. But, but uh, we're, we're going to die physically. Oh, so then, did he not destroy the devil? It says that that's why he, he came, took on flesh, that he might destroy the power of death, that is, the devil. So did he or, or did he not? Well, we know the answer is yes, he did, but we're still going to die. I want to go to the book of 1 Corinthians, and, and uh, this, and I read this at funerals, probably, on, probably all of them, uh, and it's read a lot at, at times of death, and, and it might bring people sadness because it's read then, but I read it at that time, and not only at that time, I read it this morning, but that we would have comfort. Okay, yes, we're going to die, but so then did the devil uh, uh, win? Did, did he not uh, uh, die and, and destroy him that had power over death? So we're going to die, so then did the devil win then? Did the Lord not win that victory? Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I'm going to go back a little bit. Let's go back to verse 50. First Corinthians 15 and 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. So flesh and blood, as we are in these physical bodies, can inherit the kingdom in this manner. He says, but verse 15 or 51 says, Behold. I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Some uh, may not go by the way of grave. Some may go uh, at the rapture. But we're still going to be changed. This blood, flesh and blood, is not going to inherit. We'll be changed somehow, some way. And it says, in a moment, 
in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. See, they was corruptible, but they're going to be raised incorruptible. The dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we, or those that are alive, shall be changed. For this corruptible, and these bodies we live in are corruptible. It's like corruption and corruptible. It's like you may have a piece of steel or something in our automobiles, and it's going to rust. It's going to be corrupt. It's going to corrode. Well, these physical bodies uh, are, are going to do the same thing. And my eyes are... Uh, uh, <laughs> are failing very fast. I got all these things that's really, really getting difficult for me to, to see sometimes. Now I have so many things in, in front of where I, between me and this page, there's a lot of things there. And I'm not smoking anything, there's just things there. But anyway, uh, but these bodies are, are corruptible. They're, uh, but the new, the new body at the resurrection, it won't be. Uh, so that we shall be changed, for this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass a saying written, Death is swallowed up in victory. So you see, here's, here's the victory. Christ came and put on flesh that he might destroy them that has power over death, and that's Satan. You say, well, we're going to die. Well, yeah, we're going to physically die, but did Satan win that victory or did the Lord? Well, we see death is swallowed up in victory. Satan, Satan has nothing, does he? Verse 55, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? When we lose a loved one, we shed tears. And it does the word sting here. But really, for the Lord's sheep, as we view them, should it really? Where is the sting of death? And the grave, this is, we just passed Memorial Day, people decorate uh, uh, more than usual at the cemetery. But uh, is, the, is the grave the victor there? Does it really, has it really won anything? A victory? It says, oh, death, where is thy sting? When we look at this, this corruptible is going to uh, put on incorruption. This mortal is going to put immortality, and it's going to be uh, raised, and death is swallowed up in victory. So death, where is thy sting? Grave, where is thy victory? We... So I was talking to someone recently, they was, uh, well, actually, I got two birthday celebrations this year, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure if I like that or not. <laughs> but it, uh, I, I had one, and I had my sisters and everything. And then a week or so later, they, usually they do something in the office for me, but a uh, couple of the ladies that does that were, were off, so come back, and they surprised me, so I had another birthday. But we celebrate birthdays. Kind of happy and everything like that. Even though we may quit counting them, we still celebrate them, don't we? But, you know, if we were strong enough, and I'm not, but if we were strong enough, 
We should celebrate more when a loved one goes home to be with the Lord. The scripture tells us that the day of death is better than the day of one's birth. I'm not strong enough right now <laughs> to, because we, you know, we miss them. We know where they're going to be, but we miss them. But there's no victory there for the grave. Satan has won no victory. He'll be resurrected. I'll read, let me read 54 again. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass a saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who giveth us this, the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have a victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what our text uh, was talking about. He took on flesh that he might destroy him that had power over death. And we see that, that he did. Here is the victory. The Lord was the winner. We are the winners, aren't we? Through him. And in verse 58, we may as well read that too. Therefore, because of this, therefore, beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable. We know what that means. Be really grounded. Be sure. Be really grounded. Don't waver from something. Therefore, my beloved brethren, we can say brothers and sisters, and certainly we know that's, I think you're all aware of that. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, but what are we supposed to be steadfast, unmovable, grounded in always the work of the Lord. You're blessed if he is brought to you to that place because most people are not steadfast in that. They're not unmovable. In fact, they're very movable. They'll talk about the Lord Jesus Christ, but they'll say, well, but you know, you have to do your part. You have to make the choices. You have to make the decisions. You have to live. You have to keep the law. You have to do the best you can. All these things. You can't play cards. I've heard one. You can't eat light bread. I mean, it's, it's, it's endless. But they are certainly not steadfast in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, are they? They're trusting in other things. So therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. So that's what we look at, the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He took on flesh, he came down from heaven, he went to the cross and won a victory for us. Now it talks about going and it talks about labor, but this labor is not for our salvation. This is labor in the Lord that uh, what we're doing it this morning is we're gathered here as we study. As you pray, as you talk to people, that's, that's labor. But it's not laboring, certainly, for salvation because he finished that. And he is our Sabbath and he is our rest. So I'm going back to our text in Hebrew now. 
And uh, I think that was verse 14, wasn't it? Let me read 14 again. And, For as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them whom fear the Lord, who fear the death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. So it says he didn't take on the nature of angels. Now angels can mean different things in many places. It's typically it's a it's a messenger. And it can be messengers or individuals as we see them upon the earth. Or it can be what I like to call angelic angels, the created beings in glory. And uh, but says that he didn't take on uh, the nature of angels. In fact, we, we read this morning in verse 9 that he was made a little lower than the angels. Well, what does that mean? Well, angels aren't going to die. They're created beings and they're gonna, not, not going to die. But he was made lower than the angels in the, in the fact that he's going to die. He's going to taste death. Uh, it says, uh, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Well, does his genealogy go back to Abraham? Only on Mary's, I mean, through uh, uh, Mary. But his father was God. And my point here is he doesn't have Abraham's blood. He doesn't have Adam's blood. Because Adam fell. Every one of Adam's descendants is a sinner. Because they have Adam's sinful blood. That's where it came from. Romans says, by the disobedience of one, we were made uh, uh, sinners. So Jesus Christ, it, it talks about him taking on uh, uh, the seed of Abraham, but, but uh, not his bloodline genealogy doesn't literally come, literally come through Abraham. So what's it mean? Well, we talk about Abraham and the scriptures when it talks about Abraham, you know, it talks about promise. And, and Abraham was given a land of promise. We call it promised land, but really it's spoken of as a land of promise. And uh, it, it was a promise. It was a, a gift from God. And... Uh, Understanding things in the Old Testament helps us understand things in the New Testament, and this being one of them. So let's go read a little about that. I'm not going to the Old Testament. It's recorded in the New Testament. Let's go to Galatians chapter 3 about our Lord and this connection to Abraham and kind of what it all really means. Galatians chapter 3. Now, the discussion here is, you know, we have Abraham and his children were given this land of promise. Israel's still a part of it right now, which is Abraham's genealogy over there right now. Uh, and it was given to them 
by promise. And that's, that's very important. It was given to them by promise. But this is going to be discussing the law, the law of Moses, which was after Abraham. And most people now, and even some back in Moses' time, thought that that was the way. The law was the way. But is, is that the way? So let's, let's look at this. Galatians 3, 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it was written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. So we kind of, that goes along with our lesson too. He took on flesh. Why? That he would uh, uh, die and destroy uh, him that hath power over death, the devil. So here, uh, this is where he did it. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for his written curses to everyone that hangeth on a tree. 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. We're Gentiles. See, my, my bloodline, well, as far as I know, <laughs> doesn't go back. I can't go back very far. My great-great-grandfather apparently got in some trouble down in the Carolinas and just changed his last name and come up here. So, uh, uh, I don't know, may have a, anyway, but, but I don't think, I think I'm a Gentile, I don't think I go back to Abraham. I go back to Adam, I know that. But anyway, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. How? Through Jesus Christ. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So, do we have an inheritance over there? In Israel now, is that what's talking about? No, Israel was an earthly people, had an earthly inheritance. We're a spiritual people, and we have a spiritual inheritance. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So we, we're looking for another country, aren't we? a heavenly country. That's what we're looking for. How are we going to obtain that inheritance? How are we going to get that heavenly country? How are we going to get there? How are we going to get that inheritance? Is it through labor? Is it through works of the law of Moses? Verse 15. <coughs> well, this uh, uh, talks about uh, the promise, but then verse 15 in verse 15, I didn't understand for many years. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man annulleth or addeth to it. And, and it's really simple, but for, I just it didn't mean anything to me. I couldn't understand it. What it's saying here is it, talking about a covenant. Even an earthly covenant. He said, you know, if you have a covenant, a contract, he said, even just a man's covenant. We're not talking about a covenant between God. I mean, we are, but not right now. But we're, the covenant between, that God would make. But he says, even with an earthly covenant between men. He says, you don't change it. Now, there used to be a thing called honesty. And uh, people would do deals with handshakes and their word and everything like that. Maybe not so much that way now. But you don't change the contract. Now, if somebody tries to, we may go to the court with that contract. Back then, you shook their hand or you said whatever and your word was good. And, and you didn't change a covenant or a contract. 
whatever the contract was, that's, that's what it is. So God gave a promised land to Abraham by promise. We also have a land of promise, a promised land, a heavenly country that we're looking for. How do we get it? Was there a contract? Sure, there was a contract. Uh, to Abraham, by promise. So here in verse 15 says, now if you got a contract, it says you, you, you don't break, even a man's contract, you don't break it. So even more, God's contract wouldn't be broken, would it? So verse 16, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. There's a promise. There's a contract. God said, this is, uh, I'm going to give you this land, and it's by promise. Now to Abraham and to his seed. That's interesting. That's singular. It says, now to Abraham and his seed where the promise is made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. Now, we know he made the promise to Abraham, but really, this was to Christ, to thy seed, which is Christ, and his seed after him. You say, well, Christ didn't have any children. Fleshly, no. Spiritually, yes. To, of course, uh, the, the, we have the Heavenly Father. So now uh, he's talking to Abraham uh, and his seed, or this is Jesus Christ, uh, was the uh, uh, promise or the contract made. Now, verse 17, And this I say, that the covenant, or this promise, which was confirmed before by God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot annul, that it should make the promise of no effect. God made the promise to Abraham and to his seed, Christ. And then 430 years later, we have the law of Moses. So now we have a land of promise. How do I get there? Through the law of Moses? That would annul the contract that God made to Abraham and his seed, Jesus Christ, that it would be through promise. So my inheritance in my land of promise or promised land is not through the law. The law cannot annul that which was 430 years earlier, which is by promise. Verse 18. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. That's pretty plain, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, if the Lord opens your eyes to it, it's pretty plain. We have an inheritance. We have a land of promise. And it's not through the law. If it was through the law, it'd be no more promise. But God gave it to Abraham and his seed by promise. What is almost everybody you talk to how are they looking to get that inheritance? Through the law. 
Thank God if he's opened her eyes that we see, no, it's, it's through promise. And they hate us because of that. We tell them, no, it's through promise. It's through what Jesus Christ did. And, and they do hate us because of that. And, and they'll say things, well, they say many things. Most time when you tell them it's through promise, it's through what Jesus Christ did. And they'll say, well, you're saying you can just go do whatever you want to do. You can go kill people. You can sell drugs. You can go do all these things. They don't address the point. They just take all these side ventures or whatever, I guess. But that still doesn't change. It's by promise. And they can accuse us of all different kind of things. But it's, it's by promise. The law can't annul that. It wouldn't be a promise. Galatians chapter 4 And uh, verse 19, my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. You know, Galatians, they had, uh, they was under the law and then they were, were taught uh, grace or taught just what we said there, that it was by promise and not by law, but they were wanting to go back under the law again, some of them. So Paul here, the writer, uh, God being the author, says, I ought to veil and birth with you again till Christ be formed in you. I desire to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I stand in doubt of you. Tell me you that desire to be under the law. Do you not hear the law? And I, I want to tell this to so many people. Well, actually I do, but you that desire to be under the law, don't you hear the law? We just read, is it by law or is it by promise? It's by promise. Verse 22, for it is written that Abraham, and we, we, we read about Abraham back there, didn't we? That Abraham had two sons, uh, Isaac and Ishmael, remember them? One by a bondmaid and the other by a free woman. I wonder what was that all about? Why, why, you know, you remember Abraham was barren? And they had one child by the bondwoman. And then later, Sarah had one. But what was that? Why, why was that all about? Well, it happened to them for our learning and our admonition. So we have Isaac and Ishmael. Isaac being of uh, Sarah and Ishmael being of the bondwoman. She wasn't free. She was bond. So now, well, verse 23 but he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman by the promise. So here's this promise again we've been looking at. Which things are an allegory? Now they really happened. But they're also an allegory teaching us something. More than just the physical thing. They're an allegory teaching us something. Which things are an allegory? For these are two covenants. One from Mount Sinai. Now what's, what does Mount Sinai mean? That's where the Lord gave the law of Moses to Moses to the children of Israel. Remember they went there and, and man it was lightnings and thunders and, 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 and darkness and, and Moses said I fear and quake. It was a terrible frightening place. Somebody even touched an animal or anything. It, you know, it, it killed them. It was a terrible frightening place. But he said, 
the one from Mount Sinai bearing children for bondage who is Hagar. This is the child of bondage. We're going back again to, the, to uh, Abraham. Had two children. One of them is a child of bondage. Allegory. That, that represents Mount Sinai, the law. Not the promise, but the law. 25, for this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answers to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage to her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice thou, barren, that thou bearest not. Break forth and cry, that thou travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she who has in husband. And uh, certainly it's that way today. The, uh, those that are under the law, uh, they're much more plenteous than those who are of promise or believe in promise. Verse 28, Now we, brethren, as Isaac are or was, are the children of promise. I hope you can see that you're a child of promise. I hope you can see that your inheritance in our land of promise, is by promise. I, I, I hope that you don't go and look to the law of Moses as a way to obtain your inheritance in the land of promise, in the promised land. Because it's a promise. It's called the land of promise, promised land. Again, most people are as Ishmael from Hagar, Mount Sinai. Almost everybody I talk to look to the law and morals and things of that nature. Uh, verse 29. But as then, he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. And we're not persecuted like the disciples were. None of us have been crucified or killed in that manner, but... Uh, they do hate us, don't they? So, uh, I'll go back to our text again in Hebrew 2 and 17. Wherefore, in all things behooved him to be made like his brethren, that he might be, uh, or 16, wasn't it? Uh, 16. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. So I hope you can see uh, how he is the seed of Abraham, and we are uh, have inheritance of a land of promise through Christ, through Abraham. But again, it's a heavenly city and not an earthly city. Uh, I've got about six minutes left. Let's look at verse 17 maybe. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. And you know, as I look at this, I'm not going to have time to really get into that. Uh, but we may, if it be the Lord's will, we may look at that uh, uh, next week. Uh, but as, as we close... Uh, I hope we can see that you're a child of promise. Your inheritance is a promise. 
It's not of the law. The law, I know the law came, but it was 430 years after the promise, and it can't disannul because it was a promise. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed.